Welcome to Living Social Justice Podcast, an initiative of Common Ground Church and Common Good, where we explore our lifestyle response to topics of social justice. Our hope is that a growing number of Christ followers begin to individually and collectively live out justice, creating a groundswell of positive change in our society. Hi, I'm Sharon Ploppers from the Common Good team, and I'll be your host today as we explore another topic of social justice. So today I have Gus with me. Gus, welcome. Thanks for joining me and thanks for being willing to share your story. Thanks very much. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, so Gus, that is not your full name. So you need to explain the Angus story. There's a story behind your name. Tell us a bit more about that. Oh gosh, since I had explained that story to the common good <laughs> staff, I've been I've been ragged relentlessly. So um, but I guess we have to go there. You have to go there. Um, What's your full name? M- my mother christened me Angus Angus Charles Dufford. Very nice English, well, English-French name. Yeah. Um, but um, in fact, the Gus part comes, uh, it's a common abbreviation of Angus. I was never commonly called Gus growing up at school or through high school. But eventually we, we did get a family dog, um, which happened to be a, a, a salivating boxer with too much energy and, and bounce. And um, th- th- for some reason, this boxer was, was christened Gus. And, and subsequently, I was in fact nicknamed Gus. So yes, I got my my nickname after the family dog. Named after your dog, mm. I love it. Okay, so Gus, you are as of 2018 leading our education initiative for Common Good. Strength to you, that thing is a monster. Um, the education initiative of Common Good is currently involved in three schools and a number of other schools with literacy programs. So it is a massive initiative, and um, your team are particularly. Um, hard-pressed and uh, running fast. Um, But just tell Common Grounders or whoever is listening in on this episode um, a little bit more about your life personally. So growing up in Cape Town, um, what kind of led to you getting into education and teaching to begin with? Sure. Um, My own background is one that's a, a very typical southern suburbs um, Cape Town upbringing. Um, I, I was born in the 70s, um, schooled during the 70s and 80s, and was was um, privileged enough to be able to attend um, Rondebosch Boys for, for 12 years of my education, through from, from Stan Sabay in those days, through to Matric. Um, uh, grew up with my, my, my own family in, in Plumstead, and and uh, for all intention purposes, uh, a, a, a very happy, privileged, um, typical southern suburbs upbringing. So um, what was the disruptive factor? Why did you not turn out like most other southern suburbs, um, Rondebosch boys? Uh, I think probably in many ways I did. <laughs> and, 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 and those are the some, some, of the, some of those things that stick with you forever. Right. Um, not not that, that, many, that many of them shouldn't, but um, okay. that some of them needed adjustment all the time. Okay. I guess the, the, the significant change for me in, in deciding to go into che- teaching, and, and, and that probably only came late in my, in, in, in my career choice as well. I initially set off to university with, with, with one of the sort of big three in mind, that I was either going to be uh, a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. Or, or be in finance, right. um, and and uh, I headed into university expecting to ju- do just that. Um, uh, during the during the the early part of my university time, I, I began studying to do a law degree, 
and and within the first year decided that that wasn't the way I wanted to go. Uh, I got very involved in 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 Shawco at university. Yes. I also I think had grown up in a family while not being while not being activists themselves. Certainly, certainly, my my mother and father instilled in me a, a very principled, valued belief in in um, the equality of, of people, and and um, for the first time coming coming out of a privileged Rondebosch uh, upbringing, um, in the early nineties um, at university was introduced to to something that I'd very much been blind to um, for for the first eighteen years of my life, and and having my eyes open to that. Um, certainly, certainly instilled in me uh, a love and a desire to go into teaching. Uh, as I say, I got involved in teaching through through the Shawco organisation at university. I started doing a variety of, of um, tutoring and 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 um, teaching programs through those three years of an undergraduate um, degree, and and I changed from my direction towards law to rather go into teaching. Okay, and where did you teach? Um, initially, I, I after finishing um, my my um, honours degree and then my HDE, I went across to to London, um, okay. and and did uh, the the typical sort of two years spell over in London with mates, um, living in digs, um, in the sort of um, South African Australian corridor. Right. Um, loved the time, had a, had a had a superb time over there, but then came back and quite frankly at that time went straight back into something that I knew well. And I and I taught at um, so at Sachs High School okay. for for four years. So I came back from London, um, went to went to Sachs initially. Was a housemaster there, um, and and in fact loved my time as a teacher in in a school that was very similar to to the one I'd attended, and and so quite frankly nothing terribly surprising mm. at that point in time. Okay, I know that there's a certain school in Hart Bay that holds a very special place in your heart so how how did you end up at silly Canva? tell tell us that story yeah i think there's a bit of a journey that that fills in some of the mm. the, the years between going to uh, going and teaching at Sachs and and the years of of then ending up starting Same. a school in in heart bay um after after being at Sachs, i, I went back overseas I, I got married in 2002 uh, went overseas with my wife claire for for five years and and in our time of being uh, overseas, uh, living again in the UK, um, I did some further studies. I did, did my masters in international development and education and international development, and and it was a time where it was it was uh, almost almost the norm, um, to particularly for for white South Africans to be considering their 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 place here in South Africa, wow. and and thinking well we've been overseas for four years. On this sort of trajectory of getting our, our UK passport and those sort of things, if we want to, what's our next step? Are we going to make that step of leaving South Africa, or, or are we going to commit to being in South Africa? And and with both of us firmly having our hearts in South Africa, wow. uh, the the determination was to come back to South Africa, but with an intention to very much be part of our own learning and our own journey within the South African in the South African history and context but at the same time also to be able to feel that um, that that I and we as a family were were then being part of um, doing something with a meaningful impact to some of the um, 
social injustices yes. of the South African context. I love that. So it was actually a time outside of the context that made you kind of galvanize yourself to to know what you wanted to do in terms of coming back. It was actually formative for you and going, we want to we want to really live in South Africa and be South Africans, be a part of the future. It was indeed. No, I think you're absolutely right. It, it is a time of having, in South Africa and, and overseas, having experienced what it was to be part of a of a of a privileged situation, but also a a, a very and, and in fact maybe this was most apparent in in the place that we lived in the UK of a of a very um, separated, uh, yes. a very broken society in that sense mm. of 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 people living apart from each other right. and 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 wanting to challenge that in coming back, um, and so when we did come back into the South African. Uh, in, into Cape Town and in, into South Africa, um, I, I intentionally then looked to be involved in alternative um, options to to the southern suburbs educational experience. So I'm intrigued with the silly canvas story. What what does it look like to start a school? What did that look like for you? How did you go about starting silly canvas? Sure. Yeah. Um, Quite amazingly, you, you would think that it would become it would come with a whole lot more um, uh, support and a, and a bit of a, a bit of a manual. <laughs> yeah, you, you got the toolbox um, and you just absolutely. implemented it. <laughs> you would think after after thousands of schools having been started over hundreds of years that there might be a textbook as to how <laughs> to do this. And 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 so um, I spent um, six years at the Leap Science and Math schools right. in Pinelands, working with students from Guguletu and Kailitsha. And when the opportunity came up to start a school, it was. Um, it it was it was not quite what you expected. Um, I, I was I was somebody sent me an advert for this opportunity to to start a new high school, a new public high school in um, the the community of Imizamayetu in Hart Bay. That was um, that was in August of of 2012. Okay. Um, and and after a month or two, going through a process of interviews, I was I was appointed headmaster um, in October of of 2012. Right. Um, and so what did that look like? It looked like I had literally four months, um, yeah, four months, yeah. four months to um, hire a staff. I was the only staff member hired by the WCD um, to enroll 250 children um, wow. and to start to take operational management of a, um, of a very, very temporary um, largely ship container based classroom space um, and prefab classrooms and and so with with some support from the Western Cape Education Department but largely only only one man um, my 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 circuit team manager uh, we set about hiring staff um, taking in 250 kids putting in place a, a curriculum and, and all the structures of a normal functioning school. So, so you started that 2013 and the first intake? I started that in, Oct in, in uh, October of 2012 and our first um, intake kids arrived on, in January, January of 2013. Wow. And then you handed over as headmaster now end of 2017. So a very short space of time. What does City Cumber look like now? Quite right, yeah. So, so Silicamba, I spent five years as the principal at Silicamba. Um, so in our first year, we were a school of 10 staff members. 
and and 250 learners in grade eight and nine. That has grown in 2017 to um, a school from grade eight through to grade 12. We've just completed at the end of 2017 our second matric year. There are now 640 learners at the school, um, and we have an extended staff of around about 38 now. Amazing. And you were chatting to me the other day about a new building. What are those plans? Tell us. Absolutely. It's very, very, very exciting. exciting. Uh, we've been, frankly, waiting five years. <laughs> uh, when I started in 2013, uh, the, the idea was that the building would be starting in June of 2013. And it took us four and a half years to get to the building starting. Um, so so with the support and, and the funding of the Western Cape Education Department, a brand new school building um, worth, in, uh, worth uh, around 70 million rand is wow. being built on the, on the slopes of, of um, Imizemiyetu. And, and that means, well, for five years, the school has been in temporary classrooms, in prefabs, in ship containers, as I said. There will be a new state-of-the-art um, school built um, ready, hopefully, by the end of 2017 for for a school of about 1,100 students wow. serving primarily the, the, the community of Imizamayetu, but also the wider Hot Bay area. So before we move on to kind of Silly Camper being just one of the schools that you're now involved in, I just want to hop on that for a bit because I, f I feel like it's almost unique, but we take it for granted as just interviewing people on this podcast channel that to me is the thread is there's a there's a tenacity or a resilience in individuals like yourself where the context that we are living in um it kind of builds that into you like you're talking as if it's it, it just it, it was what it was you started a school and actually they were in temporary classrooms for five years and so you didn't actually have a building until five years later and yet the school still carried on. The school still took in learners and taught them with um, a standard of excellence as high as possible. And you now have a building being erected that's going to have over a thousand learners um, at capacity. That, that's a formidable task, but under quite strenuous circumstances. And I, I think that to me has been the beautiful thing of Christ followers just noticing things that are just not okay and actually they call to do something about it and they put their heads down and do something about it irrespective of um, what it's going to require. And there is a persevering and an enduring and a long-suffering, but then there's also kind of the God story and the, the fruits of that. I mean, do you want to add anything to that? I do, yeah, yeah, Sharon. I think you're right. I think that I think that all Christ followers are, are called to this to a certain degree. Mm. I firmly believe that we, we, as you would agree, that we're all called to different things. Yeah. So I certainly don't, for one moment, expect that 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 any um, necessarily of my friends, my family, uh, fellow Christ followers, would yeah. necessarily for follow the same path. Um, I believe that um, Christ was has made me and wired me in a certain way, mm. and 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 therefore. Um, my journey and, and, and my calling is 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 one that um, he has laid uh, upon me and, mm. and my family because uh, because uh, my wife's gone with me in that sure. um, and 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 but I do I, I, I do believe that every Christ follower has has the capacity and 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 has this resilience and tenacity that I think is crucial in our context um, to to play their part and um, how do you th sorry Karen uh, 
yeah, and, 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 and I think that is something that, that sometimes we feel, uh, what should we do? Mm. And, 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 and sometimes it's a matter of just uh, throwing your lot um, in, into, the, into the ring. Yes. And, and, and saying, well, well I'm, I'm going to start, uh, start on this journey and, and um, commit and believe that, that, that Christ is going to, going to bless that good intent mm. and, and provide and direction as it goes yeah. along. Yeah. I firmly believe, as far as resilience goes, that 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 resi- resilience is a muscle. Mm. It, it's resilience Absolutely. is not something that we we're given, and and it's a full cup. <laughs> um, it's it's something that we build, yes. and that as we work that muscle, and as that as we develop it, it gets stronger. So I uh, I want to press you on that because I think that from what I've heard of the silly cumber learners, that f- sounds to me like that's actually a quality that, as a school has been built into the school learners as a value is resilience. Like there are going to be obstacles in your life. So figure out ways to overcome them, um, which I don't think is a natural value instilled in every school in our in our country. How have you as a principal or as a headmaster sought to instill that value in a school to give children more than just an education but a resilience to cope with their lives we, we often um, we often think that in, in individuals that grow up in in uh, communities such as Imizamayetu, we, we refer to them with this word of disadvantage and and there's much around their lives that is that places them at a, a disadvantage and, and not for one moment should we should we shy away from that we need to recognize the, the 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 disadvantage of of poverty and and growing up in a community that is that is dangerous and and um, and does not grow young people mm-hmm. and give them the opportunity that they that should. But in that we we in that word disadvantage we often often ignore the the, the strength that that such a uh, that such a space can also harbour. Stimulate. Mm-hmm. And 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 um, when when young people can move um, beyond a survival instinct. Because what they do grow up with in in that space is survival, but when they can grow beyond that to to turn that into a place of strength, and and an awareness of the fact that that sometimes not not um, uh, not because they overcome the situation, but in fact because of the situation, wow. um, mm-hmm. they have got a, a a strength and a resilience and a fortitude and and an awareness of of the, this this aspect of life. Then, in fact, puts them in a place where they they are now ready to be launched um, when given the opportunity, and I, and I believe that's that's been some of my vision for the four kids in Silicumba, is that that uh, a child I- in that situation, once given the opportunity and and once g- um, given the the space to in fact launch their abilities and and their skills and their talents, then in fact there's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't. And and often what we sometimes class as a as a disadvantage right. be- becomes Become a strength. Um, sure. I, I, in my my own life, I've I've, uh, I've read a book where they talk about David and Goliath. Yes. And 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 that sense of that story being told slightly differently, that David didn't succeed just because he overcome uh, overcame the circumstance of being a shepherd boy. But in in fact, it was because it was he was boy. a shepherd boy, mm. and he had learnt those skills, and he had learnt that fortitude and that strength, and the bold, boldness and bravery, and um, to be able to do that. Is that yeah. the Malcolm Gladwell book? That is the one Malcolm of, Gladwell book. Yeah, 
and that's okay. not again once for any moment to deny the, the sure the challenges of that space yes they, they're very real and mm. and um for, for many that can be crushing yes. um but in silicamba we've been able to create a school that now provides the launch pad nurtures. provides the mm. opportunity nurtures those individuals in a way perhaps they haven't had before and 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 takes the the the, the inner strength that they might already have and hopefully then directs them to a way of, of future success so Silicumber is just one of the three schools that Common Good is partnering with in the Collaboration Schools initiative. Can you just speak to that? What do the next five years look like for us as Common Good with the Collaboration Schools um, project? Wh what are the three schools that we're currently involved in and what, what, is the, what is the plan over the next three years, uh, three to five years? So Collaboration Schools is, a, is an exciting new initiative that was launched two years ago um, uh, through the energy and, uh, and, and creative thinking of a group of donors um, led strongly by the DG Murray Trust um, together with the Western Cape Education Department um, in, in committing to this idea that, that private entities could partner with public schools in making them more effective better spaces for teaching and learning. And the what was the criteria for schools to be taken mm. on by you? Mm. Um, the schools have to be no fee paying schools, so that certainly puts them in a certain quintile of schools in, in Cape Town in South Africa. So, so none of the students that attend those schools have their parents paying any school fees. That immediately puts them in the sort of mm. previously disadvantaged category. Some of them are, are, are schools schools that have experienced um, years of dysfunction mm. um, others of them uh, such as Silicumba would be relatively new schools but ones that find themselves in a, in a community such as Emizama Yotu which is which is um, poverty poverty ridden yeah and what do we do as common good are we come in as the school operating partner what is the strategy to actually bring about change that's a good question, <laughs> and, and um, as I say, the, that initiative is then born out of private in, uh, institutions such as Common Good, um, com committing to being part of that. And I think it's been a, a very brave step of of Common Goods, which has been launched out of common ground, to say, well, how how does an organisation, a Christian faith-based organisation, uh, involve itself in a response? to one of the greatest social injustices of mm. South Africa currently, mm. and that is the inequality of education. Right. That we should have children of the same age having, after, after m more than 20 years of, of uh, democracy in our country, youngsters still not having the same opportunities, opportunities. to mm. education. And, and this Common Good initiative is one to say, well, uh, we as, uh, as the church, and as a social justice initiative are not only supporting organizations to do that in the education space, but we're becoming that, edu right. th that initiative. Beautiful. That we as, as Christ followers are not just looking to support others in, in having this input, but in fact we are at the forefront of leading it mm. and being part of it. So Common Good has created a space, an organization, where where Christ followers and like-minded educationists can get involved in responding to the crisis. Amazing. I could, I could go in into, uh, into, a lot more into, the, <laughs> into the technicalities of how we look mm. to do that, 
but perhaps um, that's something for another discussion. Okay, so you have quite a large team, and they are generally education specialists in some yes. or other way. But what about the church responding? How do you see over time, maybe it's not immediate, but over time, how can the church respond to, as you say, the education crisis where there, there's a systemic injustice in what um, the children of this country are, are being offered? How do you see um, the church responding or being mobilized? Hmm. I think that I think there are two ways. If we try and make a complex thing simple, simple. But, but on, <laughs> on the one hand, it's the it's the the social justice around um, our, our our own beliefs and our right. own prejudices and our and our own ingrained views of each other. So um, just taking ourselves on our own justice journey of whatever that looks like, but leading right. ourselves. So so one of the one of the injustices of our education system still. Is that that my own children at the school they attend are, are not yet um, on on a on a journey of of being able to get to know people uh, across, across the South African spectrum, and I think that uh, our schools, our the inequality of our schools, continues continues to produce a a space where young people are going to grow up into young adults right. and future adults of this country. Who still do not understand each other, yeah. still do not know how to how to communicate with each other, and and are still going to grow up with with marked differences that mm. separate them. That's an injustice that we can challenge, and that we can look to be to to be part of our own journey in in taking in 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 recognizing and and being open to the uncomfortable space of having yeah. to face that. And then secondly, there's some very practical ways in which um, um, members of, of common ground congregations can, can get involved in supporting the initiative. We, we're exploring ways in which, uh, which volunteers can get involved in literacy programs, mm. in numeracy programs, within currently the three schools and mm. future four or five schools, okay. where, where, where volunteers weekly being involved in reading and, and tutoring individuals can have a marked impact on their improvements. An so another so program yeah. we're looking to, to encourage is, is mentorship and, and, mm. and role modeling in which um, individuals can draw alongside young people and, and, and provide the, the nurturing, the support, um, the love, care, guidance and, and, and direction that so many young people need. And, and our research shows that that's, that's significant. Yes. So maybe just to say, if you are interested in volunteering or finding out more about those volunteer opportunities, you can email volunteer at commongood.org.za or just have a look at our new website, um, specifically under the Living Social Justice pages where you can find out more about the volunteer opportunities. So just to end off, Gus, just thinking around uh, Christ Follows in Cape Town, if there was one thing that you could say to the average Cape Townian Christ follower who's exploring how do they live out their faith in the reality of our context in Cape Town, South Africa, what would you encourage them to do? Jaren, I think out of my experience of, of, of Hart Bay, I've seen a sort of microcosm of, of um, some of the things that are, that are, that are wrong with uh, Cape Town and wrong with our community mm. in the sense of on each other's doorstep. Having having three polarized communities, having a 
essentially the Emizami Yetu community, which is black African. And, and across the other side of the, of the bay, the, the Afrikaans colored community of Hungberg. Wow. And, and then in the midst of Hart Bay, the, the, the generalized white privileged community of Hart Bay. And yet these three communities live on each other's doorsteps. And, and Hart Bay is unique in that, that you, you can't get in or out of Hart Bay and, and ignore that yes. and, 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 and not be aware of that in your space. And so, so that for me has always been an example of, of how, we, how we live in these polarized pockets r right on each other's doorsteps. And I would simply encourage uh, the, 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 the Christ followers and, and others who share similar yeah. values and, and, and principles mm. to, to dare to step out of their own pockets and, and to get involved. Just cross that, the that barriers. That even though mm. the, there's uncertainty and there's, and there's some fear and anxiety in stepping into space that is different from your own, that um, should, the, should you step across that, then, then I believe that, that, that Christ will, will honor that mm. and, and provide the opportunity for each and every individual to, to find their place. Um, and, and in that, there's not only the opportunity to serve others, um, but, but crucially, there's, there's the opportunity to learn a lot about ourselves and, and our own um, harbored uh, and, and inherited um, prejudices. Yeah, amazing. Mm. Gus, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, sharing your story, but also just to say we're so excited about having on our team and just where the education initiative is going. So well done to you and your team for everything that you're doing and strength to you amidst all the um, just realities and pressures of the, the space that you're working into. Um, yeah, but thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your courage and your bravery and thank you for inspiring hopefully many Cape Tonians out there to do something similar. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time to chat. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our channel, Living Social Justice, on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can also find more resources on our website, commongood.org.za, including our Justice Journey courses, devotional content, and volunteer opportunities. Bye for now.